Hello and welcome to the Why Behind the What. My name is Nathan Albert, and as always, I am glad you are listening today. This season, our theme on the Why Behind the What is ancient, contemplative spirituality for today's transformation. Last time, if you listened, we talked about silence and the benefit it can have upon our lives, upon our minds, upon our souls, and our faith in the divine. This episode, episode three, we're going to talk about solitude. Woo! That one sounds boring, doesn't it? Unless you're an extreme introvert, then you're probably rejoicing, like, this is the best podcast ever! So go write a review of this podcast right now. Now, I'm a, I'm, I'm a bit of an extrovert. Uh, when I first took the Myers-Briggs and learned all about the introvert-extroverted scale, I was off the charts extroverted. Uh, and over the years, I've become much more balanced in my extroverted introvertedness. But for a long time, solitude was pretty torturous for me. As an extrovert, I hated it. But I've realized as an extrovert that solitude isn't torturous. It's actually essential to my spiritual transformation and my personal well-being. Now, I've started this season with uh, solitude and silence because they're pretty foundational practices for all the other things we're going to discuss this season. So we got to get a handle on these uh, and get them kind of ingrained in our lives and we'll build upon them. So stay with me, keep it going, uh, and we got some great places to go. When I was working as a professional actor, everything I owned fit in my small red Honda Civic. Clothing, tap shoes, my guitar, I think I had a few books, filled the trunk and the back seat. My, the uh, original iPod was my front seat passenger, and together we traveled the country going from gig to gig, singing musicals at the top of our lungs on our way. Occasionally on these long road trips, I'd be lured by the billboards along the deserted highways to come see, you know, a dinosaur park or the lone buffalo of Texas or the world's largest ball of yarn. And on every highway, it seemed there were big boy statues lining the roads and every state seemed to have one of those huge white crosses that were a few hundred feet tall with some sort of message that I should come to Jesus. And all of those things were overrated because most of the time I stopped to check them out. But on one particular road trip, I decided to take a detour and visit the Grand Canyon. That's right. It had to be better than the peachoid that was on I-85, right? So I packed with my uh, packed out Civic. I paid my fee, made my way to the parking area, excited to spend the day exploring one of the seven natural wonders of the world. So I followed a bunch of tourists. We made our way to the ledge to overlook the majestic canyon, canyon. And no doubt about it, it was stunning. Took some photos. I think I called some friends. I'm at the Grand Canyon. And after a few moments, surrounded by other people, I decided to go back to my car um, and grab my guitar. I thought, you know, I want to go somewhere a little more secluded. Uh, and I want to strum some tunes and be inspired by the surroundings. So after about another three and a half minutes into my solitude time with my guitar in the 6,000-foot canyon below me, I got incredibly bored and lonely. And this is how I often feel when I spend time in solitude in nature. The first few minutes, I'm like, oh, wow, nature is amazing. This is so cool. And then about three to five minutes later, I think, man, I'm really bored. I wish there were some people around here. I wish someone 
was here to talk with me because I'm bored. And so at the Grand Canyon, after a song or two, this is no joke, I decided to pack up the guitar and get back on the road. I might hold the record for the shortest visit to the Grand Canyon of all time. Obviously, this was also long before I explored the importance of solitude. Now, as much as I enjoy being around people, I do find myself desiring time to be alone. But I often enjoy solitude around other people. Uh, For me, I love uh, sitting in a coffee shop, spending hours uh, surrounded by people. I love walking through a city uh, and and seeing the diversity and the the bustling city all around me. I have a whole other uh, podcast episode just on that subject if you're interested. It's called For the Love of the City. And I can be alone with my thoughts in these places, yet I'm also still surrounded by people. And for me, this has been a great space of solitude. But solitude has also been difficult for me, and I think it's fair to say that we're living in an age when it's becoming increasingly more difficult to enjoy solitude, especially because we have these small technological devices that we keep with us at all times, and there are fewer and fewer moments when we are actually alone, not tethered to our devices and not connected uh, to other people. With these, we can be interrupted anytime, anywhere, by just about anyone. Now, as a spiritual practice, solitude is more than just getting away from people. It's more than untethering ourselves from technology. Solitude is an opportunity to turn away from other people, turn away from technology, and and other ways that we can be interrupted in order to turn toward and be present to the divine who is always present to us. Instead of getting our focus off of work or technology, in solitude, we begin to focus all of our attention on the divine. Now, Henry Nouwen, one of my favorite authors of all time, he he stated this. He says that without solitude, it is virtually impossible to have a spiritual life. In his book, The Way of the Heart, which if you haven't read it, Go read it now. This is one of my all-time favorite books. Absolutely incredible. I'll have a link in the show notes for it. But in this book, The Way of the Heart, he says that solitude isn't simply a place of privacy or a place where we go to recharge our batteries and get more energy. That's an aspect of some sort of solitude. But solitude as a spiritual practice, he says, becomes this sacred place of conversion and transformation. It's a place where our old self dies and our new self is born, where we are literally transformed. So solitude is the place where we encounter God as we are, and we leave that place transformed and renewed because we were with God. It could be said that in solitude, we not only spend time with the divine, but we also discover our true self, who we're truly meant to be in the presence of the divine. One of my Hebrew professors in graduate school shared during class that in the beginning of Genesis, when the author speaks of God and the first human walking in the garden, it's more a description of them meandering than walking. Now, when you meander with a friend, the destination is not the goal. You meander, you have no end location plan. You're simply kind of going where your legs lead you, almost unaware of your surroundings. You might bump into one another, 
At one point, you may want to go left while your friend wants to go right, and yet somehow you decide together on the path to take. When your meandering concludes, your time together was more important than your destination. I think meandering is such a great illustration for solitude and for the spiritual life, as well as a great picture of the divine. When meandering, being present with God, it's more important than focusing on the destination. Being present with God, that's what we want to focus on. And eventually we learn that the destination is spiritual transformation. This is why I think there are so many stories in the Gospels about Jesus going off into solitude to be with God. It's his way of meandering with the divine every day. Because solitude is being in the presence of the divine rather than simply a place to recharge or get away from people, the results of solitude then become much greater to our personal transformation and well-being and restoration than anything else. To be in solitude and silence is the number one avenue in which we can hear from the divine. Solitude and silence, they go hand in hand, and they're the anchor of so many other spiritual practices. Ruth Haley Barton says in her book, Invitation to Solitude and Silence, which also is one of my all-time favorite books, this literally was a a life changer for me, Uh, and her work through the Transforming Center has revolutionized my life. So again, check, check out that book. It's, it'll be in the show notes as well. But she says in this book that in solitude and silence, the love of the divine comes to us, but it also begins to flow out of us to others. So solitude then can be an avenue for God to transform us into healed, compassionate, loving, transformed people who not only reflect the divine, but also love others in the same way as the divine. This is a powerful, powerful practice. I had always thought that being alone was simply a way to become quickly lonely or an opportunity to get away from those friends who you could only handle in small doses. But it's so much more than that. It is a proven way to be with God and hear the still small voice of God and then to be transformed by God. So let me give you some ideas for starting your own practice with solitude. Now, the combined practice of silence and solitude, as I said before, they're difficult today. Uh, Depending on the season of life in which you find yourself, it can be even more difficult. Perhaps you have a a house full of young children or a job that has constant interruptions or your daily commute is in a large city filled with people surrounding you. So finding any time to be quiet or a time for yourself can seem impossible, let alone impossible to become a habit or something that you do regularly. And for those of us with anxiety or a mind that is always going, the the monkey mind, as they say, for those of us with too much to do or feel as if we have to get something done, for introverts and especially, I think, for extroverts, the practice of solitude is absolutely essential to our spiritual well-being. So some tips For you, before you even try to find the time and space for solitude, first, go easy on yourself. Like, I mean, set the bar low, really low if you need to. Maybe you can only do five minutes a day. Perhaps it's once a week you take an additional trip to the bathroom and you close yourself in and enjoy solitude. 
maybe depending on your work schedule, you can actually schedule it into your work calendar or set aside a 30-minute meeting for yourself to be in silence and solitude. Eventually, when you find the time or you feel as if such time is becoming essential, increase that solitude time. Try an hour. Try it for a day if you have the opportunity. Also, decide how you want to use your solitude time. For some, that might mean taking a walk. For others, it might mean sitting in silence, perhaps doing centering prayer, which we'll talk about later in this season. Perhaps you want to find a chapel or a sanctuary. One of my favorite things living in a big city was to find a chapel or a cathedral that was open and to go in there for a handful of minutes to reflect and pause. Maybe for you, it's putting on some noise-canceling headphones and laying under your desk. Heard that's pretty cool. Begin uh, also thinking about the anticipation of seeing a good friend after a, a time away from one another. Use that as an illustration for how God desires to spend time with you during this silence and solitude. If you only have a few minutes, be present and let thoughts go by. In those times when you have more time, um, you might want to reflect on a passage of scripture. You might want to spend some time journaling some of your thoughts. Or you might want to practice a particular prayer that you have, whether that's a breath prayer or uh, the Lord's Prayer. And again, we'll, we'll cover some of these in the coming episodes. And when you're done with your solitude time, if you're able, I recommend not rushing back into your regular day's activities. Give yourself a moment to kind of ease back into regular life. If you're doing an extended time in solitude and silence, I encourage you actually to make kind of a re-entry plan. Don't turn on your phone. Don't check notifications and email. Don't turn on music and start talking. I, I encourage you just to maintain that silence as you, as you get back into a regular life and slowly and surely uh, add those things back on. Maybe check a few text messages, but don't check email yet. Or maybe you want to listen to some music, but not dive into your favorite podcast on productivity or a great podcast called The Why Behind the What. I mean, take your time. Allow your mind and your soul to slowly adjust as you continue to be aware of what God might be speaking to you. And then notice how you feel as you enter back into regular life. Do you feel rushed? Do you feel overwhelmed? Does it seem noisy around you? What about your time in solitude do you desire more of? What would you like to do more within solitude? And you may not find any immediate benefits after you first try solitude, but with all of these practices we're going to talk about this season, the more you do them and the longer you do them, the more they will benefit you and the more you will be able to see God transforming you. In the show notes, I have some resources and links for you uh, so you can check those out. Again, check out nathanalbert.com. That's where you can subscribe to my newsletter. You can buy my book. Uh, and you can learn more about what's going on. And if you could, as always, please share this podcast or this episode on social media. Uh, share it on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, any of your outlets. And if you could leave a review on Apple iTunes, that would be incredible. Uh, that helps the algorithm get all kittywampus so more people can see and get connected with this podcast. So with that, go be alone go discover solitude. And as you do, may it lead you into deeper union with the divine 
and greater awareness of your true self. And in solitude, may you have peace, may you have calm, may you have happiness.